Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. Buckle up, you heathens. This week, we're going to church with Reverend Melek Thomas. What's funny is I thought my interview with him would be the one I could finally let my grandmother listen to. And of course, that ended up not being the case. (laughs) And you'll see why in part two. Well, before he became a renowned minister rooted in seeking, quote, complete freedom of all of God's children, he was a child who endured a number of traumas in school, causing him to be kicked out a bunch and even held back. But he credits Kanye West and Chris Rock with helping him turn things around in 2004 during a week where he was suspended from school. first your favorite your fourth favorite leftist (laughs) leftist podcast is um coming to you again on location and we're gonna this intro is gonna be a little different a lot different than what it usually is because of the occasion and who we are talking to it's about to be a real baptist introduction First, giving honor to God, who is the head of my life, yada, 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 because I don't remember the rest. Protocol having been established, we bring to the pulpit slash podcast mic, Reverend, is it Reverend Doctor? Not yet. Not yet, but we going we, we to call it because it's coming. Reverend Doctor, Melek Thomas, what's up? Reverend, what's that, Reverend Thomas, what's the Baez baby. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> how are you i am well i am well just trying to i thought i made it through covid um but then pollen came listen and north carolina hey, pollen ain't no joke no joke that's why i'm over here sniffling mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. mm. and you got to make sure you, you you in public and you start doing <laughs> that's you right. gotta make Everybody sure like nervous? hey i'm vaccinated <laughs> it's right. just pollen chill like, out <laughs> like just relax that's right relax i ain't mm-hmm. i ain't up here trying to get nobody sick um, we are coming from, uh, Melek is a pastor of a little country church and we are in the, uh, <laughs> and we are in the, what is this called? The sanctuary, mm-hmm. uh, recording. And coincidentally, this is probably the only episode of this podcast that I'll allow my grandmother to listen to because I'll have to be on my P's and Q's today <laughs> on account of the location mm-hmm. and the occasion. Um, Melek and I, we both went to undergrad together. I was a year ahead of, uh, just a year, yeah, a year ahead of Melek at Howard. Um, and from what I understand of uh, of your life to this point is if one were to run the tape back to younger Melek, not not necessarily caught, I'm not trying to, I ain't, I ain't calling my brother out but i'm just saying if you were to run the tape back this would this would not necessarily be um what someone would have assumed you to become because i think you had a a rough couple of 
uh, adolescent years, not rough, but, you know, tumultuous. You were, you know, coming into your own. Um, but I would like to run the tape all the way back to the beginning, which I believe was in Baltimore, to understand how, uh, how a prophet came to be. Wow. Well, thank you for that, <laughs> that very generous introduction. Um, so, yes, I was born in Baltimore, October 22nd, 1987. Mm -hmm. um, both of my parents, clergy, both of them, while I was being born, were my mom was working on her Ph.D. My dad was working on her master's, uh, the youngest of four slash eight. Um, How we get the slash? Um, so my who was married first? My dad. Oh, OK. Yes. My oh, dad had four kids before mm -hmm. he uh, married my mom and. I'm close with the with most of mm -hmm. my older older siblings, uh -huh. but the four the core of us were the four: my mom, mm -hmm. Micah, Joaquin, Mercy, and then myself. Mm -hmm. And so it was a big busy household. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, was you did your mama used to like wrap you up and take you to school since she was you know since she was working on her PhD or she's like oh, writing her oh, dissertation? Oh wow! I, no, I mean absolutely. Uh, most of my because at the time when I was born, my mom had just started working at Howard mm -hmm. um, in 1988, mm -hmm. and then also because uh, she was working on her PhD at Howard, uh -huh, uh -huh. and um, also my dad was finishing his uh, MDF from Princeton. Oh okay. Uh, but also they were preaching and pastoring at the time. Woo. So because they didn't have a whole bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just cuz black folk go to Ivy League institutions yeah. doesn't mean they got Ivy League money. Listen. Um and so we went everywhere with them. Mm -hmm. Um my my earliest memories are in church. Mm -hmm. My earliest memories are running up and down the hallway of the second floor of the CB Powell building. Mm. Literally, me and my siblings would race. <laughs> we would race from uh, down to um right where radio tv and film uh -huh. at that hallway that's a long hallway that's a long hallway <laughs> i mean we had a lot of energy yeah, yeah sure of um, course it was in it was there that i first uh met so many college folk mm -hmm. uh and but even at the same time college was never really a thought because i just thought it was a given mm -hmm. i didn't know that you had to like aspire sure. i didn't really have many real dreams i mean i had dreams but you know the dreams didn't match what my um Want what my parents wanted for me, and so what did your parents want for you as you were growing I up? I don't know. Um, you do know. No, what do you think I, I just know was it was. It's so early. So I, this is the way I can describe it. Early on in the history of the church, mm -hmm. um, they struggled with describing who God was, and so because they did not know exactly who God was, they focused more on what they call negative theology, which is who God is not. Mm -hmm. And I think for my parents, that's what they dwelled on. Uh -huh. um, Early on. For you. For for me in particular. So who was Melek not? Who uh, for them, uh, and this is, I guess, this is who I really wanted to be, and still to an extent I want to be. Uh -huh. I, I always want to be a rapper. Uh-huh. Always, always. And I really believe my my love for wordplay and preaching mm. is, is from being a rapper. Okay. Um, my first time speaking in church, this is going to sound weird. My first time speaking in church when I was four years old, mm -hmm. I was doing a rap. Huh. Uh, it was a song called We Are the Children by um, West Angeles uh, Church of God in Christ Youth Choir. Uh -huh. My mom had the four of us uh, do the verse. There's three three rap verses and a singing verse. Mm -hmm. And so my brother Micah had the first. Joaquin <laughs> had the second. Mercy had the uh, the, the singing vamp. Mm -hmm. And I had the last <laughs> verse. And that was my first time ever speaking in public. Okay. Um, you came but, up to the mic hot, mm -hmm. ready. Yeah, ready. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, no, my parents, my my dad in particular was like, no, nah, you can't be no rapper. Um, he just wasn't having it. Not nah. his son. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. I wanted to be a wrestler. I just to me and oh, the big thing, I wanted to be a pilot. Huh. I saw um, the HBO um, rendition of the Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I, I might have been nine, eight or nine. Yep. Yeah, and memorized I remember, it. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I, I memorized that movie. I watched it. I recorded because that's when you used to be able yep, to record on VHS. Right. We that old now. We that old. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, and uh. so I, um, I love that movie. I mean, it was just the the strength and the 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 just the power that those brothers had. And I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was the first time like the internet had just came out, and I, I got some program where I could go on the internet look at colleges, and I was looking at the United States Air Force Academy. Whoa. Yeah, because I wanted to go. I wanted to be in the Air Force. Uh-huh. Um, and they were like, nah, you ain't going to do that. <laughs> um, I guess they always thought I was going to go into ministry. I never wanted to. They um, always thought that from when I, you were I little. believe they did mm-hmm. up until maybe around <laughs> um, fourth, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. That's when we really started to uh, to hit some some speed bumps. Okay, hold on. We're not at fourth grade yet. I want to, okay, so what, 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 denomination church did your parents pastor uh we are fourth generation members of the african methodist episcopal church okay and i'm it might go back farther than that but that's as far as i can trace on both sides no my mother my mother um she's from petersburg virginia Mm -hmm. her uh her mother was apostolic oh but her father was ame zion and they were members of oak street uh ame zion church in petersburg Mm -hmm. Um, but my dad's side of the family, mm-hmm. um, as far as I can go back is, mm-hmm. um, is A and me, um, my great grandfather, Leon Chambers, mm-hmm. who was from Chestertown, Maryland on the Eastern shore, mm-hmm. uh, moved to Baltimore somewhere in the early 1910s mm-hmm. and he joined Bethel Amy church mm-hmm. in Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, under then the pastor, uh, uh, then pastor became Bishop. Uh, William Sampson Brooks, mm-hmm. who was the the chair of the Baltimore City Universal Negro Improvement Association. Mm-hmm. And so he brought Marcus Garvey ah. and Ida B. Wells hmm. to Bethel, to Baltimore. And uh-huh. my great-grandfather was there. And while he was there, he served as the um, as the custodian and the sexton. Ah. The sexton of the building. Yeah. And so in 1911-ish, they moved into the, a new church. And there was only one bathroom, mm-hmm. uh, and they they started to see a lot more women come to the church. And my great grandfather, Leon Chambers, built the women's bathroom mm-hmm. at Bethel mm-hmm. uh, Bethel Amy Church in Baltimore. Of course, you know that that's the church that gave birth to uh, Bishop John Richard Bryan, mm-hmm. Jamal Bryan, Frank Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them came out that church, uh-huh. and my parents actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we go back to the Amy Church that far. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That's that's the set you're repping. That's yeah. AME all day. AME. And the thing is, I didn't even know that about my great grandfather until I was in seminary mm-hmm. and I was literally reading a book huh. uh, about the history of Bethel in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I came across a name uh, that said Mr. Leon Chambers. I said, that sounds like my great grandfather. He like died Papa. long before I was born. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the time, ironically, I was actually working at Bethel. Mm. And I called my dad and I said, is this, was, was your grandfather the, 
uh, the chair, I mean, the the sextant of the uh, of Bethel mm-hmm. back then? He was like, yeah. And I like start breaking down crying. I'm, I'm real sensitive about my ancestors. <laughs> yeah, of course. Ain't none of this a mistake. I'm supposed to be here, bro. I'm supposed to be here. I wish I could see his man's face after mm. cutting up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was do you uh try and think back? This might be difficult, but try and think back to little Melik, maybe zero to nine or ten. How do you uh, you know, you were you were a PK, you know, mm-hmm. church every day of the week. What do you remember your conception of God being growing up as a as a little little? My upbringing is a little different than most folk is because the first person I ever saw preach and can remember preach was my mother. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, there was no idea that God could be sexist huh. because the first person I saw preach was my mother. Uh-huh. And then I saw my father, who mm-hmm. was the pastor. Mm-hmm. But then also the, the the only two people when I was real little that I saw preach other than my parents, were John and Cecilia Bryant. Mm-hmm. And so I always saw God in relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would go with my mother to preach places, you you met my mother. My mm. mother's very personable. Yeah. Um, everybody was family. Uh-huh. Um, I saw God in the way she hugged people, ah. in the way that she would, no matter how tired and hungry we were after service, mm-hmm. she would sit and pray and talk with everybody until mm-hmm. we literally had to pull her away. From her. <laughs> right, mom, I need a snack. Um, <laughs> I saw God um, in the way that we treated uh, others. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I I think back to the first time I had to pray. Like every every second Sunday, they had at Hunter Memorial AME Church, which is no longer uh, in existence. Mm-hmm. My dad was a pastor there for for about thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, Every second Sunday, the young people did participate in the service. And I remember I might have been five or six, and it was my time to pray. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, what do I pray about? Mm-hmm. And I was like, we need to pray for the homeless. Uh, I just never, I just never forget that. It just came up. Yeah, it was just like, I need to pray for the homeless mm-hmm. and make sure people have homes and have food to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are my earliest concepts of God. Also, because my parents were both in school, mm-hmm. um, all throughout the house, all throughout everywhere, it was just books. Mm. And so I just, to me, I've always associated a close relationship with God, with with, with intense thought. Mm. And and I thought it was just reading. No, it ain't just reading. It's just in, intense thought, mm. deep thought, mm. um, that it is impossible to think shallowly. Huh about God. Ah. Uh, and so those are my initial things, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when I was young. I think when these ideas expanded as I got older, mm-hmm. but I think uh, particularly the concept of God as love uh. is what has influenced my ministry to this point. Mm. Did your parents present to you the way they thought about the secular world and or their ideologies or politics? Did they connect that to their their understanding or conception of God and if so like how how would you describe that or how did they describe that to you at the time so it's so interesting is that my parents were a lot more involved in the non-church world huh. than I than they ever led us to believe ah I, I really believe that they want because at that time we were we had moved from Baltimore to Prince George's County and mm-hmm. Prince George's County even to this day, mm-hmm. but specifically in the 90s, mm-hmm. the church culture was extremely evangelical. Yeah. Extremely conservative. Yeah. And so I grew up on Carmen and DC Talk. And, yeah. And we would sit down in leisure and watch like uh, gospel DV, uh, VHSs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but at the same time, my dad was creating community development corporations. Uh-huh. Um, I remember at the opening, he created this uh, community development corporation called Kiamsha mm-hmm. uh, that ended up partnering with um, the Association for the Study of uh, African American History and Life, mm-hmm. Life and History. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had Bernice King. Mm. At the at the opening, uh-huh. and I I never like, it was not until I was in ministry and, and we were talking and he would share like yeah huh. or how um how my mother was was really good friends with Prathia Hall Wynn who mm-hmm. is the the author of the I Have a Dream mm-hmm. run that Martin Luther King did mm-hmm. um all these things that they just never shared with me mm-hmm. or uh, like how my dad when he was at at Boston University in, in seminary mm-hmm. brought Coretta Scott King huh, to campus huh. and was um, because he was president of the association of black seminarians at Boston. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, my mom was at Harvard mm-hmm. and she was the first black woman to be president of the association of black seminarians, bringing James Cone, ah. Cornell West and all these people to uh, Harvard. Uh-huh. These are things that just, just didn't really share uh-huh, with me. Uh-huh. And so the things that they shared mm-hmm is holiness salvation Uh and and so it was not until i got older and i started engaging Mm -hmm. the scholars like james cone gabriel wilmore that my or or like others that my parents actually knew them Uh. and i was like i was a little salty because i'm like all these years Mm -hmm. y'all have been around all this greatness Mm -hmm. all this i mean social justice just and y'all never really gave me the, the the truth about how significant the work was. But am I understanding you to say that your parents, to you as a child and to your siblings, your parents were explicitly religious. Holiness is yet right. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But they were not explicitly uh, n- non-religious in a political kind of way. Like you didn't understand their, the the you didn't, you weren't aware of or didn't get the grasp of the full weight of their 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 kind of like secular work or involvings. Am I understanding? It was you almost like right? we were sheltered. Ah. You're, you're, no, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Is and and I've had this conversation with them. What did they say? Why? What? What was the reasoning? Well, for that? F- my mom is a lot more um a lot more honest in it than I would say. Mm-hmm. My, my dad is, but my, my, my mom <laughs> my mom was basically like, you know, we just wanted you all to go. It wanted y'all to be basically protected. That's why we went to Christian school. We went uh, to Catholic school. I was the only uh, of of my four of of all four of us. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that went to public school. That's because I got kicked out of Catholic school <laughs> twice. <laughs> uh, and so it it was an intentional sheltering, I think, for them. But why? Why shelter you from that? I I have no clue. Okay. I think the I guess the best way I can describe it is that there was a sense of compassion fatigue that I think my parent that set in for my parents my mom what do you mean when you say so that? my mother was uh was a big time activist uh-huh. in the in the 70s uh-huh. and late that's 60s. what she changed her name huh changed her name yeah. 1973 uh-huh. she was in the Panthers she um uh, worked organizing unions in Baltimore mm. her and Ta-Nehisi Coates fa- father uh-huh. were really close uh-huh. in Baltimore um, but I think at that time the quote-unquote Jesus movement uh-huh was strictly and solely about salvation Mm. and we saw i guess caricatures of the overly political and so we thought that we jesse jackson and i learned a little bit different as i got older but jesse jackson was seen as like oh he's just a politician Mm. there was this false bifurcation put 
uh, and it still kind of exists in the black church mm-hmm. between the quote unquote sacred and the secular. Yeah, yeah. And so that we weren't allowed to listen to secular music. Hmm. I'll never forget. Did you ever meet Micah? Yeah. I'll never forget. Micah brought a home a rare essence tape from, <laughs> uh-huh. from, from PA Palace. Uh-huh. We, we, we speak in them old language. That's right. And it was a Memorex tape. I'll never forget it. It was a Memorex tape. Uh-huh. The Memorex tapes that had all them colors and stuff uh-huh. in it. And my mom found it. And she made him throw it away. Uh, uh, and I remember it was in a kitchen trash can. Mm. And it was just one of those images you'd never forget. And that's just how they were about things that were not church. Okay. Um, and Because they were fatigued because of what they went through. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was a matter of fatigue, but also the way that they wanted to raise their kids. They just wanted to raise Christian kids. Okay. Um, they didn't. But even as a, even though your mother, as a former Panther, she didn't want, she didn't want little, like, my words like righteous hell raisers well this is the thing you know in in black evangelicalism because that's what i would consider my parents at that time okay they were black evangelicals um there was a movement in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s to wash the influence of the civil rights movement and the black power movement from the black church because because the white evangelicals uh, wanted to gain more political capital. And, and because they wanted to gain more political capital, uh-huh. they were intentional about partnering with pastors like E.V. Hill uh-huh. from L.A. Uh-huh. or Carlton Pearson uh-huh. uh, or um, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, they partnered with them. And because they were able to mimic the preaching styles or the singing styles uh-huh. of the black church, uh-huh. they were able to convince a large group of clergy, uh-huh. you know, regardless of denomination, that, it's not about whether you're black or white. Uh, you know, it's like that. We're song. colorblind believers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, all while they were stripping uh, black uh, black folk of all their rights in Congress and uh. the Supreme Court. It's almost like that really, really terrible song by Kurt Franklin. Uh, <laughs> like he has really good songs, but this this song was really <laughs> terrible. And I knew it was terrible then, uh-huh. uh, but it's even more cringeworthy now. <laughs> it, it's him. Um, is it? Donnie McClurkin and, uh, yeah, Donnie McClurkin and Crystal Lewis. Mm-hmm. It says, it doesn't matter what color you are as long as your blood was red. That is the whole concept uh-huh. behind what my parents believe. Uh-huh. Uh, and but how did that happen? I mean, this I'm not asking you to answer for no, your parents, no, no. but how does that, how, how do you go from being a union organizer and a Panther in your mother's case? And how do you, in, in your father's case, you know, studying and, and probably being a t- tutelage under James Cone, how do you go from that to a, a colorblind salvation only kind of ethic or, or a uh, religious p- posture? Well, I, I really think it's, um, and this is not to you know say anything about my parents sure, because sure, I believe sure. a lot of people, a lot of older couples went through this. Uh-huh. Is this desire for middle classness? Ah, the middle both. class aspiration mm-hmm. of both. the 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 rise of um, what do you call it? Um, uh, like prosperity, kind of evang- mm-hmm. evangelicalism. Definitely. I think I said that incorrectly, but but that is just like prosperity okay, theology. Yes, yes, yes. So it's like we in order we have to go along to get along, and if we're going to be able to. Uh, be a part of the this rising tide of mm-hmm. evangelicalism we have to we have to be the part we have to play the part we have to we have to perform this and 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 and, and that's exactly what it was ah, um ah. and and let's even be more clear mm-hmm. that a lot of people a lot of pastors mm-hmm. that we know and love to this day yeah. cease to be prophetic mm-hmm. up until jeremiah wright 
got caught with, with, with Fox News. When when I don't want to say it like this, mm-hmm. but it became in vogue because Ooh. you can get popular. Uh, People would uh, would say, um, and 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 that's really that's really what happened mm-hmm. is that. Um, my parents, my you know, my dad was doing the work. Mm-hmm. He just never, they just never really exposed. It. Sure. it wasn't. It was, I guess, for my parents, they did not want. Uh, and that's not to say that there was like no, like there was emphasis on blackness. Sure, of course. Um, Can't what, escape the, that the, in PG County, right? Come on. <laughs> you know, you know, it was just like how my mom wouldn't let Mercy buy um, any um, hoop earrings. No, any white uh, Barbie dolls. Oh, okay. She yeah, wouldn't right. let her do that. Right. Uh, I remember. The first time I realized that um, that I was black, mm-hmm. oh, not uh, realized I was black, but the first time I was called a nigga mm-hmm. uh, by a white guy in the neighborhood. You, I, you grew up in Prince George County, so uh, you grew up in Prince George County. No, right? Moco. Oh, you from Montgomery County? Side. Okay, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> from the other side. Well, Prince George County in the early '90s yeah. was still partly white, uh-huh. uh, and so they were slowly and slowly moving to Waldorf. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Slowly but surely. That's right. Trying like, to get away. Yeah, they were in Camp Springs. It's like, uh, Fort Washington. That's right. Uh, Clinton. That's right. Uh, uh Walter. Yeah, there we go. And now they all the way in St. Mary's County. That's right. Uh, but <laughs> Ran them off. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so there were still white people in our neighborhood. Uh-huh. And I remember this white boy across the street. Well, next door. Because mm-hmm. his grandmother lived next door. And my best friend was white. He was across the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called me a nigger. Mm. Uh, he might have been like eight. Why? Because you were you took his basketball or something? I forgot the okay. circumstances. Sure. But I just remember, like, I didn't I didn't like it, so I went home. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my best friend told his mom, mm-hmm. uh, Miss Amy. This is when was just like this. If I ever had a white auntie, it <laughs> It'd be Miss Amy. Miss Amy. Miss Amy Johnson. She's one of them. Right? She went over to their house and was like, no, y'all need to call his dad. Mm. That, that's not how, that's not, I never told her to do that. Uh-huh. I didn't even tell her. I wasn't even going to tell anybody. Sure, sure. Uh, and so I, I, like, it was a consciousness of blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a consciousness of, like, when I saw um, the Rodney King riots, mm-hmm. I, 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 they just never have those conversations around us, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. thought was, uh, was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember just being having a sense of consciousness. Mm. I remember that. But. What? How would you? So you said you went to up until fourth grade. You had been in Christian schools, Catholic schools, Christian schools. I was in Christian schools. In fact, um, through fourth grade. So this is what happened. My my mom. Because you said things got tricky around fourth grade. So what happened? What What was the turn? So let me, let me get you there. Uh-huh. Let me get you there. So my mother, uh, when my older brothers were really young. Mm-hmm. I think she had them in a non-Christian daycare mm-hmm. and she came around for Christmas mm-hmm. and there was, there was just Santa Claus. So it wasn't nothing about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is during the height of the Jesus movement in yeah. the black church. Yeah. And she was like, nah, I'm going to take a vow before God that my, my kids are not going, mm-hmm. they're going to be in Christian school their whole life. Uh-huh. And so all of my siblings went to Christian school. I went to school called Bethel Bible Christian school mm-hmm. from daycare literally when I was three years old mm-hmm. to second grade mm-hmm. um and we had this um curriculum called the Abeka book mm-hmm. which was extremely racist it mm. was um it was white evangelicals right no white right wing ultra right wing conservatives mm. in fact it was created in the same in Pensacola Florida which is the same region that has produced Congressman Matt Gates. Uh-huh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, and so ooh. just think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we were learning. Uh, we'd be in science class and they'd start talking about why evolution was terrible. Huh. Yeah. 
Uh, and so um, we changed schools. I went to, from that school to a Catholic school. And I remember um, third grade was an interesting space because I got to the school and I opened up the history book. And I've always been big on history. Mm-hmm. And it still said that Ronald Reagan was president. Wow. This was 1995. Mm. Um, it was like, Ronald Reagan's president. Okay. <laughs> and, you know. I may, be, I may be sheltered, but I do know who the yeah. president is. Yeah. And and so here here was the, here, and, I, and not to jump around too much, no. but one of the one of the things that saved me mm-hmm. is that I've always had a love for history. Mm-hmm. Always. Uh-huh. I learned to read, and this is um, this is verifiable. You can ask my parents. Yeah, yeah. I learned to read by reading the encyclopedia. Uh-huh. They had, um, we, like I said, we had bookcases all over the house. Mm-hmm. And on the bottom row of the bookcases in the basement mm-hmm. of the house, mm-hmm. there were three versions of the World Book Encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And so I would go in there and I would study the presidents. Mm-hmm. I would go in there and I would compare the pictures with the words on the side, mm-hmm. I looked at. The, I used to always look at the uh, the M version because I would look at the money and I would compare, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, but I've always been big on history, and so I'll never forget this. Um, fourth grade, mm-hmm. we went through like three teachers at the beginning of the year because we had a really really sweet teacher. I don't know ever having her name, Miss Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, it was maybe around like October. She's just you know Miss Wall got sick and she won't be able to be your teacher anymore. Mm-hmm. And so here is, and I don't mind calling her name out because it's whatever. Um, <laughs> here's your new teacher, Miss Kimberly Ennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's your kin or not. No, no, okay, no, all right, no, cool, no, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> all right, yeah, because uh, yeah. So she becomes a teacher, and in that Catholic school, we didn't really switch si- we didn't switch classes until fifth grade mm-hmm. to go to different teachers for different subjects. So our teacher taught all the subjects. Mm-hmm. I think we were in history class. And she gave a date for something in history mm-hmm. that was just not true. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't true. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've read enough. I wasn't like a whiz per se, even though I was. I think I was generally pretty smart. Mm-hmm. I knew that that wasn't right. Sure. And I raised my hand. And I said, that's not that's not right. Yeah, that's incorrect. And uh, she was like, no, this is what the book says. I was like, no, that's not right. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and she was like, well, how do you know? I said, because I read books. Yep. Actually, <laughs> madam. And so Miss Ennis pulls me out of class. Um and of course, you know, I was a regular old talkative fourth grader. Yeah, yeah. You're I wasn't child. like I wasn't violent per se. I wasn't like I wasn't wild. Yeah. I was just a talkative yeah. fourth grader that cracked jokes. Right. You know. But she pulled me out of class and I'm I'm real, real little. She's a tall, you know, really, you know, husky sister. Mm-hmm. And she's looking down at me. I'll never forget this. She says, you think you this and that. You think you smart. But I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you fail and you get kicked out of school. Mm. Now, get back in that class. In a pro- Madam, what is wrong with you? A black woman. Hey. Who? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's, um, that was a definitive moment. And she in looked my you life. dead in your eyes and said that too. Look me dead seriously. in my eyes. I'll uh-huh. never forget it. Uh-huh. I'll never forget it because I was so small. Uh-huh. Like I was like, I was... Like, I didn't grow until maybe 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So I was always, like, really short. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I'm 5'10 now, but you know, I'm not six feet. Because <laughs> you know, God, God was like, you, you know, I'm well, got to keep gonna, him humble. Yeah, got to keep you humble. But like, no, we can't give you six feet. Even though my brothers are 6'2", 6'3", I'm like, ah, like, I know I'm finna be 6'4", 5'10". 
And so, nah, I was really, I was really little, and she, like, I'll just never forget her towering figure mm -hmm. standing over me, mm -hmm. telling me that. And I went, I didn't tell anybody mm -hmm. for for years, right? years, years, yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, and so it was at that moment, like, I made this like subconscious decision mm -hmm. um, that has impacted the way I, I um, that I learn mm -hmm. and is impacted the way that I engage work mm -hmm. and I engage authority mm -hmm. where I was like, if I feel as if a teacher does not respect me, mm -hmm. I will uh, like my, it was a stupid mindset, but it was just all I can think of to fight back against. But that wasn't stupid. That, 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 was a, that was, that's a reaction to, yeah. to, I mean, I don't know if this is being too dramatic, but that was a reaction to like trauma in an educational setting. So of course you're, you know, the, the reaction to that isn't going to be like, Mm -hmm. For especially in a child's mind, it's not going to be like, oh, oh, this woman is clearly disturbed. No, you mm -mm. you 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 react with a child's mind in the way that is protective of you. So that's not stupid. Yeah, you know, it was um, it's I I learned this term about three years ago, and it immediately maybe about four years ago, mm -hmm. and it immediately took me back to that moment mm -hmm. of adverse childhood experience. Yes, yes, yes. That's what that was, uh -huh. and because I was like, well, if a teacher doesn't respect me. I'm not going to do their work, but I'm going to ace all their tests. <laughs> and, get um, back at them that way. Yeah. Yep. And so that's what I would do. Uh -huh. I, I would get hundreds on all my tests. Yep. Didn't do any of the homework. Uh, uh. And um, it, I mean, I showed them mm -hmm. because I got the A's on the test. I remember we did the Johns Hopkins uh, IQ test and I scored in like the top 96 percentile mm. in the nation. Mm. Um, but. I was failing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, I did not because fourth and fifth grade is where your homework kind of picks up. Yeah, you 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 pick up really bad habits mm -hmm. because I just was not going to do homework. Uh. I was like, you don't respect me. Uh. Uh, and so, why am I going to do anything that you make me do? Uh. Um, now, how how did that? How there had to be a clash at home about you your obstinance and of with regard or with with regard to how you approached homework. Like, how what, <laughs> what was your parents' reaction? Particularly because. And it really probably has a, had a lot to do uh, with my parents because both my parents are educators. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the lack of affirmation I received at home mm. when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, what do you mean when you say that lack of oh, affirmation? Oh, yeah. So, 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 um, how can I say this? Um, my parents were under tremendous stress of course. when I was younger. Of course. Uh, and they were very, very critical people uh -huh. just because they had very high expectations for themselves. Yes. But they were just very, very critical people. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of their critique, they took out mm -hmm. on on me in particular. I see. Uh, so when I wanted to be a flighter pilot, mm -hmm. the reason why that dream changed mm -hmm. was because um, one day we were driving around 495 and um, do you know the exit for Andrews Air Force Base yep. where that water tower yep, is? That smelly mm -hmm. water. Yeah, uh -huh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, looking at that water tower because at the time it was just the Air Force there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, uh, I told one of my parents I was like, yeah, I want to uh, I want to be a fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. It was uh, one of the first things, the first time I ever said it out loud. Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, why? So you can crash the plane. Ooh. Yeah, and my other Lower siblings were in the car. Mom and dad. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, my other siblings were in the car, and they laughed. And so I remember, like, I didn't even cry. Yeah, I, but I was crushed. Yeah, of course. and I just kind of sat like it was one of the days in the car where I could not. Sit, I didn't have to sit in the middle because it was four of us. So I was like sitting on the passenger side back seat, uh -huh. and I just sat and I just looked out the window. Right. 
for the Dejected. rest of the ride home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it was a culture of that. Um, mm. I remember... Like your parents, and I understand because everybody, I mean, I feel like all black parents do this, but yeah. like that, that kind of like in their mind, I think is like benign negging, like mm-hmm. just, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And so when um, I was in fourth grade, mm-hmm. I was having issues with long division. Mm-hmm. Um, and my father had been like, I just always thought he was just at that time, just a very like angry person. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, just because he was very serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was also, he had a, um, his undergrad degree was in math. Uh, ooh. And he taught math and philosophy at Bowie State at the time. Uh-huh. And so I didn't even want to ask him for help. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. because it's like, how do you not know this? Stuff right, like that. Right, right. And right. so that's what I mean. Uh, okay. And so when. Because that, at that particular Catholic school, there was a number of traumas hmm. that happened that I never told my parents about because ah. I thought they would agree. Ah. And that's that's the real reason I didn't. I never told my parents I until see. you thought that they wouldn't defend you or understand. They they wouldn't have. Uh-huh. Uh, or they they because the things that I was being told by my by my teacher uh-huh. by that same teacher uh-huh. uh, were in line with some of the things that they were telling me. I see. So I see. Um, that was also the same. Um, the same teacher who, when I was having those problems in math, because uh-huh. um, I was talking, I, like I was talking to because I was just like I didn't understand it, sure, and right. we had a class full of like thirty five fourth right, graders right. in Seat Pleasant, Maryland. <laughs> um, so we was we was wild, yeah. And so she like, but but I was like the scapegoat. I was the easy one yeah. to get to. Yeah. So she had moved my desk all the way to the front of the class. Uh-huh. Uh, whenever something would happen, she would look um, at you first. Look at me first. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember we took a midterm and I was struggling so hard. I couldn't get past like the second question because mm-hmm. it was just difficult. Yeah. And um, and I think a lot of people in the class did bad. Mm-hmm. But I just know like I could barely get past the first couple questions. Mm-hmm. And she was saying and walking around in class talking about how bad the grades were. And, and somebody got a nine. Mm-hmm. Somebody got a nine. And everybody's like, who got the nine? Who got the nine? And like I'm going along with everybody else in class. I'm like, who got the nine? Mm-hmm. And she turned to me in front of the whole class and said, Melik, you got the nine. Ooh. And the whole class just started busting out laughing. No. Yeah. 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 Miss Kimberly. So, such- Miss Miss Kimberly F. Hennis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the same this is the, the same, same big body who mm-hmm. Wow. It was her. Uh-huh. It was her who would um compare me to my sister. Cause she was at the same school. It compared me to my brother. Uh-huh. Um and I just internalize all yeah, this. Yeah, of course. I, and so the next year, we got a new teacher named Miss Gilmore and, um, in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And and she, I don't know what she issues she had with me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember one time, I we were doing like a group project around the uh, the table. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, we, we it was like a hot day and we had uniforms. Mm-hmm. And we, the uniform shorts we had mm-hmm. were like, they had like elastic belts. Uh-huh. And I put a pencil inside the belt, uh-huh. right? And I guess the way I was leaning over, it looked like I was trying to use a pencil to act like it was a penis, but wasn't nobody really uh- around. <laughs> right. And so she came over to me, was like, come here, and then marched me to the principal's office. Uh-huh. Uh, and at the time, this is Catholic school, yeah, 1990, yeah. that'd be. 98 97 98 uh-huh. uh and the principal uh grabs this uh this paddle uh, oh yeah 
Oh, and, no. and marches me. This is one of those things you just don't forget. No, of course not. She marches me through the the sanctuary, and the whole time I'm just like begging, pre- pleading for my life. Yeah, literally. please stop. And um, like she's just marching me, uh-huh. and she's not saying anything. And I'm just like, please, like I promise, she's not telling the truth. Right. And she takes me across. Like I never forget looking at the cross in uh-huh. the middle of the sanctuary, Ooh. and and going to the sacristy where they keep all the the like the just the clothes for the church and for the service and all that. Uh-huh. And she pr- proceeds to like whoop me for like five minutes. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. And then afterwards, send me back to class. What? Okay. So what, so what was, how did you under, did you, uh, okay. Slow down, Janelle. As a result of all of these, all of these, I'm going to, I'm going to use the T word, all of these traumas you experienced in an educational setting. Like, did you, how did you understand the world was it just like there like all these are just random happenings or all these things are happening because i am me all of these things are happening because like how did you understand or make sense of it all? or you didn't and you just didn't want to be a, you didn't uh, you didn't you, you 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 formed around that time a personality in which you 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 acted in a way that would was just self protective because you didn't understand why these things were happening to you do you understand what i'm saying uh, no so uh, I I don't think I had words for it then, uh-huh. uh, but as I got older and I read um, for the first time Souls of Black Folk ah. um, in that first chapter of Spiritual Strivings, mm-hmm. when Du Bois says, uh, um, what does it, how does it feel to be a problem? Ha, ha, ha. I, I grew up and even struggle with it to this day. Sure. Um, to, to just, today. To this day. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm 34 mm-hmm. and um, just feeling like a problem. Really? I, I, like... Just I've lived my life feeling as if I am going to get called to the principal's office because really? that's how I spent. Yeah. But then, but then, what does that? What did you? How does that become operationalized in a in a little in a little body? What does that mean? It's just is it just constant fight or flight? Is it is it just like it's a con- so so for me it was a constant need to prove myself and uh-huh. prove my worth uh-huh. that I'm not a problem. Uh-huh. Even though you see you start with a sense of deficit, uh-huh. and I've always I've like from as far as I can remember to yeah i've just have always tried to prove my worth what does that um, look like though what did that look like for you as a child so for me it looked like um uh trying to be funny uh-huh. and crack jokes in class uh-huh. so that people would think that because i can make them smile uh-huh. I got, you know ah. I have worth. uh it looked like um i think for for a minute up until i became an adult i gave up on trying to make my parents happy with me really uh yeah except for That's my dad easy. i remember yeah now when i was in high school mm-hmm. and i like finally started to grow and i became a little bit more athletic um uh, a lot more athletic um i will every sport that he said he played i tried to play uh. baseball i tried to play baseball lacrosse i tried to play lacrosse i tried to play basketball uh and then i ended up actually being really good at track uh. and um because my dad my dad was a hurdler so i wanted to be a hurdler mm-hmm. uh and i remember I only ran track my senior year because most of high school I was academically ineligible. Hey, because uh, <laughs> you're still not doing homework. Absolutely not. But yeah. it, but and because tests. I, I mean honestly, I didn't have any dreams. That was that's the big piece. Like you, it, when when you spend your life being and feeling like a problem, uh-huh. and this is probably why I identify with a lot of dudes and like vice lords, BD, yeah, yeah, gangster yeah. disciples, because their whole life has been wrapped around them being a problem, uh-huh. and um. You just don't know how to dream outside of just trying to imagine a life huh. where people aren't mad at you. Ah. Um, 
and and so yeah, like I didn't have any dreams for my life. What do you, you mean? You you am I understanding you to say that in high school, when you looked out on the horizon of your life and and your ability to uh, continue to grow and develop and age, you saw you did not you did not have an understanding of like what you wanted to do or what you could do that you would be good at. I think it's a little mixture of both. Okay. It was not until, ironically, <laughs> I got suspended from school mm-hmm. um, when? in 10th grade, okay. in my second 10th grade year, because I failed 10th grade. Ah. Um, failed? Yeah. Like failed they 10th. would not advance you, not no. even social. So, so this is what happened. My uh-huh. mom, when we moved back to Baltimore in ninth, in eighth grade, uh-huh. um, I finished my school because uh-huh. I got kicked out in seventh grade from the school from the school that that uh, Miss Gilmore and Miss Ennis were uh-huh. there. The in fact, it was it was really kind of jacked up how they did it mm-hmm. because um, our class was overcrowded and they knew they overcrowded. It was forty of us Ooh, in a seventh grade class. On. Yeah, forty little silver tooth kids <laughs> from, <laughs> from Parker, uh, from from uh, Walker Mill, mm-hmm. and from all these places that you know. We was just all of us was was wilding, uh-huh. and it was in seventh grade where. They had overpopulated the class Mm -hmm. and we were just going through teachers because the teachers were just stressed out. They were dealing with 40 kids. Right. And I'll never forget this. My principal came in, uh, Sister Marilyn Hopewell, um, came in and said, y'all are a bad class Mm -hmm. and y'all are overcrowded. It's too many of y'all. And so we need to get rid of some of y'all. And so I want you all to put on a paper the three most disruptive people. What in are class. you talking about? Why are you taking a straw poll of children? Yep. And wow. um, I was one of the three names that came up, and I got kicked out. Th- th- that was the basis for you being kicked out of school. Yep. That's I was, and I, the thing is, I was talkative. Like I crack jokes. Sure. That's you were what a child. I did. I was a child. <laughs> yeah. And I was uh, severely traumatized. Yeah, of course. Um, by that school. Yeah. And so I got. I remember I, I was suspended. And I found out that I got kicked out of school. Um, one morning I woke up, went down, went to the living room. My mom was there and she told me I just cried. Mm. Um, was she was she angry? Like, this is I'm going to fight this. This so is ridiculous. I don't, I don't know. I think she was just stressed out. Just like what okay. what's going on? It's like because what I learned is that a lot of how I saw the world mm-hmm. from a deficit is how my parents saw themselves as well, that they started yeah. their life. From a deficit. Both my parents came from poverty. Uh, um, my mom was she she was so self conscious about coming up from poverty. My mom was the uh, was the salutatorian mm-hmm. of her high school class, mm-hmm. nineteen sixty seven. One of the only black high schools in Norfolk, mm-hmm. um, Booker T. Washington, and she finished literally almost at the top of her class mm-hmm. by like point something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she always laughs about it. But because and she got a full ride to Howard, mm-hmm. full ride to Howard. Mm-hmm. But because of the type of people that were at Howard mm-hmm. versus her background, she didn't feel comfortable going. So she turned it down. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah. And she went to Morgan, huh? She, well, she she went to Duquesne first oh, okay, okay. and then ended up graduating from Morgan. Uh-huh. And my dad just kind of, you know, he was one of the first black uh, black kids at Baltimore Polytechnic Institute. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Started in 1959. Go Poly. And, and so he always had this idea where he had to prove himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so this mindset of deficit just uh-huh. kind of was projected onto me. Ah, ah, ah. And so. Interesting. And so, yeah. Um, I don't know how they felt. Uh-huh. Um, but I just remember them scrambling, trying to find me another private school to go to. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I ended up going to a Christian school, graduated from there, mm-hmm. went to uh, moved back to we moved back to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic school called Cardinal Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my sister went to. Have you seen the show The Keepers on Netflix? Mm-mm. Okay, it's about a, a Catholic all girls school where there was like mad molestation and they killed a nun who was Ooh. trying to. Yeah, it was one of their best documentaries. But it's like weird because like. That's where my sister went to high school. Ooh. So it was just like, oh, Joe, I've been down them high school. I've yeah. been down them hallways. But Oof. no. Um, but yeah, I went there. Um, and it was a school mixed with poor whites and poor blacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the cheapest tuition in the whole archdiocese of Baltimore uh-huh. for high school. Mm-hmm. And um they it, and it it was like the um this like really I'm pretty certain that some of my white classmates voted for Trump. Yeah, of course. Back, you know, sure. now. Because, yeah, yeah. of course, they're of age. And, um, yeah, that was just a... that the, Really, as as much as I remember, a lot of it is a blur. Uh-huh. Because uh, most of my ninth grade year, my earth science teacher kicked me out of class. Mm. And I was, like, sitting in the lab by myself. Because mm-hmm. um, I think he wanted me to to do write some lines, and I hadn't done them. Mm-hmm. And he just would kick me out of class every day. Ooh. Um you couldn't wear cornrows. The white, the, the, we, we weren't allowed to wear long hair, but the white boys could grow their hair out. Mm-hmm. It was just little things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah, I had no dreams. I got kicked out in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. That school was known for its athletics. Mm-hmm. And the black folk that went there would often um, get there only for sports. Mm-hmm. And they would never invest in the uh, in the academics of the black yeah, athletes. Yeah, yeah. And so you could play sports as long as you didn't have two Fs on your report card. No GPA requirement. Hmm. As long as you, you could have one F mm-hmm. and all Ds and mm-hmm. still play. Wow. And so um, I wanted, you know, I the, I didn't have a dream, so I just reached for the closest thing that a young black kid could do. I wanted to go to play basketball in the NBA. Wow. Like, so I wanted to play basketball. Uh-huh. Uh, and, um, and so my grades suffered, mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, ended up getting kicked out uh-huh. yeah. for fighting a white kid. Why? Just wondering. well, so it was it was March. It was cold. It was Baltimore. March in Baltimore is very rainy, mm-hmm. uh, and I was sitting in the back of the class. He was sitting in the front. Mm-hmm. We actually used to be friends, mm-hmm. and I stopped skating. I, I stopped hanging with him, you know, because I was trying to hang with more black folk. Mm-hmm. And he got pissed, mm-hmm. and um, he kept opening the windows. Cold cold yeah and um i'm like nah bro like like close this yeah. like you're in the front of the class <laughs> that's right and so one time like he came back and he opened it again and said you open if you close the window again we're gonna fight mm-hmm. and so he's standing right there i close the window uh-huh. <laughs> and so he grabs me hey. i grab him back yeah. we start tussling um you know what it was just like a little tussling match just all boys right, high school right, man right. and so at that time, I'd already been I had already been suspended because uh, I had forged a late slip. Oh, yeah, I got suspended because Ooh. of that, and um, they they gave him in school suspension. I got kicked out. Mm. Yeah, like, and that was their first time failing tenth grade. Yeah, and so so if I had kept my regular grades, I would have um, I would have passed at that school. Uh-huh. Uh, but I got kicked out. Ended up having to go to public school. Mm-hmm. And the public school was like, you can't because you fail English. Mm-hmm. You're gonna fail English, and so we can't pass you. Mm. Uh, and so, but because I, um, and this is now, I remember where we were going. <laughs> okay. mind. No, um, I I failed English, mm. but my teacher at the time, 
I forgot that brother's name, but he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I see your transcript from your old school. Mm-hmm. You're brilliant. I've seen you in this last quarter. Cause I was, I got kicked out after like um, in March mm. of the school year. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And so he was like, I, I can't pass you to uh, English 11, mm-hmm. but I'm going to put you in English 10 honors. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I'm going to be the teacher next year. Mm-hmm. Ended up not coming back. Uh-huh. And I got this white woman named Miss Olsen mm-hmm. uh, who was on me the whole time. Mm-hmm. I remember like the, the like a couple weeks in the class, she was like, I saw your transcript. I don't know how you got into honors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up getting suspended because uh, I, <laughs> I didn't want to do the assignment. She was getting on my nerves. So I just took the plot of Bamboozle uh-huh. and wrote it <laughs> as a short story. I just figured this white woman, this white woman ain't going to know nothing about that. Right. Right. <laughs> so I'll never forget this. Oh, man. Look, I was wilding. <laughs> I'll never forget this. I was in class and she was she was like, Mella, could you come here real quick? And we took a walk down the hallway. <laughs> and she was like. I read your short story. I was just so fascinated. <laughs> and I was just so, I thought this was so, so interesting. And then I, I was sharing it. I started to share with my sister and her husband. And I was like, listen to the story that my, my students <laughs> share with me. And, and she was like, you know what? That sounds a lot like this movie that Spike Lee made. <laughs> you got caught. And I got caught. And uh-huh. I got, I did that. I yeah. got caught in 4K. Uh- <laughs> And um, and so I got suspended for a week. <laughs> and during that week, um, this was uh, maybe February, March, two thousand four. I was suspended. In, I was suspended for a week, uh, and that happened to be one of the most transformative weeks of my life. Ah, what day. happened? Um, well, one that was the week that um, the video for Through the Wire dropped, mm-hmm. and Kanye, Kanye, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I'll never forget. I was sitting. I wasn't even supposed to be watching TV, but I was punished. Mm-hmm. And he he said this line. He said, "What if somebody from the shot that was ill got a deal on the hottest rap label around, but wasn't talking about coke and birds? It's more like spoken word. Simply really putting it down and explain the story about how blacks came from glory and what we need to do in this game." As soon as I heard that line, I was like, "Yo, something." I don't know what it is because, like, as I think, the line wasn't super remarkable, mm-hmm. but it just struck me. Uh-huh. And I immediately ran to the bus stop, took the bus to the Columbia Mall and bought a copy of College Dropout. Uh-huh. And hearing him describe himself, because I always felt like I was in this weird place because I wasn't, like, I always described myself as, like, hood adjacent. Mm-hmm. I was all around, I was around all the hood folk, but I didn't fit in right. all the way, right? Right, right. And, but he, like, that album really, like, spoke to me. That's why it kind of sucks to see what's happened to him now. Right, right. And so... Also that week, I um, I watched Head of State. Uh huh. That, that movie now, with Chris that Rock. That was the moment with Chris Rock. Uh-huh. That was that was the moment mm-hmm. where I first started to dream for myself. Between Kanye West album, College Dropout, and Head of State. Head of State, and this is what what it was with Head of State. Uh-huh. There was a lot that was going on at that time. Yep. First of all, it was an election year. Yeah. And so we were bombarded with propaganda. This is where I kind of start my my political consciousness. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But head of state, um, it was also Chappelle. Dave Chappelle yeah, yeah, was yeah, the second season. this extremely, because I was always about jokes. Yeah, I was yeah. all, I've always been around mm-hmm. jokes. But the biting sarcasm said, yeah. that was behind uh, Dave Chappelle's jokes. Uh-huh. The, social uh, the social commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, 
there was something about it that was pulling me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then head of state happened. Are you cold? No, I'm fine. Okay, all right. Maybe I'm just getting goosebumps just thinking yeah, about like, it. That's, right. that's really what it is. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so head of state came on, and I saw this everyday man that was Chris Rock's character. He just, all he wanted to do was help. Mm-hmm. And he ends up running for office. And in the midst of him running for office, I'll never forget that one scene. Have you seen the movie? Probably a long time. I don't remember the plot. Okay, so they had him on this uh, on this teleprompter because they were trying to basically control his movie because they didn't think he was going to win. Mm-hmm. So it was like, just just don't embarrass us. Don't embarrass the party. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to um, that part where he's on the teleprompter and he turns the teleprompter off and he just starts speaking off the cuff. Uh. And after the fact, a few years later, I realized that he was preaching, preaching because ah. his, his grandfather, I believe, was a preacher. Uh-huh. Um, but he was giving all these political, prophetic kind of social commentary uh-huh. and it started to pull at me. Uh-huh. And he was running for office and he was critiquing systems and he was critiquing racism um, in the only the way that Chris Rock can. Uh-huh. And when that movie went off, I, I remember it. And I'm almost getting emotional thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the moment. I, I, that was the first time I ever th- thought about what I would major when I got to college. I never, to that day, I was like 17, huh. 16, about to turn 17. Uh-huh. And I had never thought about what I would major when I got to college. What do you think it was, though, that 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 I saw myself in them. What do you, in, in, in what? You, you saw yourself? In Mays Gilliam, honestly. In, but in, what part of you did you see in yourself there? I, so I've always saw... Myself as a leader. Okay. I've known. I've, I've known that. That's uh-huh. one thing I've known since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I just have never really saw, given myself the self confidence. Uh-huh. I didn't know what it meant. Uh-huh. I didn't know what because I, I I I always wanted to be a person of substance. Uh-huh. And so that was the moment. And also, I've known I was supposed to speak. I was huh. I was born with a mic in my hand. Uh-huh. And, and but because you couldn't be a rapper, it's like I do know that I can preach. And I still and I still wrote poetry and rap. Sure, and stuff. sure, sure. Yeah, but um. But that was just a moment. It just, it just. I don't ex- exactly even know how to describe uh-huh. it, but it was just so out of body. Uh-huh. And, um, and but something you felt it. It was something I, that I felt it. Uh-huh. It's it's like um, Richard Allen in his journal when he describes ah, his um, uh-huh. his conversion mm-hmm. uh, back in in was it seventeen seventy seven. He says um, uh, the doors flew open. My dungeon shook mm-hmm. and my chains flew off. Ah. That's what it felt like in that huh. moment. That was my conversion moment. Ah. Um, if I ever get a chance to meet Chris Rock, I'm gonna tell him that. Yeah, because it literally it literally changed the trajectory of my life. Because that next that next Monday, because I was suspended for a week, I came back to school mm-hmm. and I told my uh, U.S. history professor, mm-hmm. uh, teacher, uh, Miss Smith, she was a white woman was pregnant, mm-hmm. and I told her. Uh, I think I know what I'm going to major in in, high, in college. Oh. I had never, I had literally never said it, uh-huh. never mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, she was like, well, what is it? I said, I'm a, I want to major in political science. Huh. And she says, I think you would do well. Oh, wow. And that was, that was the moment. Affirmation. Literally, uh-huh. literally overnight. Uh-huh. Um, and um, yeah, that political consciousness changed me. And that was an election year. Uh-huh. I watched that was a year Barack Obama made his grand entrance into the political arena at the at the convention at the convention. Uh-huh. Um, what do you t- tell me what the before and the after 
was of your political conversion before you were maybe apolitical or not really not super engaged? Well, no, no, no. So there was there was a subliminal piece there because um, the, the real I think one of the real changes for me mm -hmm. happened with Bamboozle when I uh -huh, saw the uh -huh, movie. That's uh -huh. probably why I made the, the short story with sure. that with that plot. Uh -huh. But um, but I, I didn't really know how to apply it. Like, uh, how do I show up in the world mm -hmm. to help shift the world so that these images, these concepts of black folk do not exist? Uh, um, but I didn't have any way to uh, you know apply it because my parents weren't on that. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, I was in these white spaces mm -hmm. that weren't affirming these things. Uh -huh. um, and because I didn't fit all the respectability cards, there was just really no space for me. Uh -huh. But then when I saw amaze gilliam mm -hmm. um <laughs> doing um political slumping in his do-rag yeah um when i saw kanye um and 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 really over the next over the next few years kanye who he was at that moment as a political figure was very influential for yeah, me. yeah yeah i yeah. saw dave Chappelle walk away from 50 million yeah that's 60 i saw i saw yeah, that yeah 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 and and it really spoke to the rebel in me ah um, and that opened up possibility for you mm -hmm. ah. and and so i i found i i had something to dream about ah. and i had something to chase after but and what was but what was that app you you described that moment of political conversion so was the after that I don't have to fit someone else's conception of fill in the blank, good leader, righteous, um, smart. Uh, what, like, what was it? Describe it. It, do you it think? was, it was, it was more so like, I'm going to get it out the mud because mm. at this time my parents had given up on me. Ah. Uh, my church family had given up ah. on me and my siblings had given up uh -huh. on me. Everybody had given up on me uh -huh. except for a couple people. But I still and have something to show. And be yeah, and, do. And, and, and so it's like it was essentially like I guess I'm approved. Mm -hmm. I'm approved that they was wrong about me, uh, but also like I'm a I'm a I'm a get it. Right. I don't care what anybody say. I'm a get it. Uh -huh. And so, um, I I do a little bit better. That was that year prior to that moment. Mm -hmm. I I think I I had two of the lowest GPAs of my life. Mm. Second quarter I had a point four three. Ooh, that's not even a whole number. I had um, pasta, a C, a D, and and the rest were Fs. Because mm. I had no, I had no vision for my. Yeah, life. yeah, yeah. So why um, even try? Why, why even try? Right, yeah. You know, I was skipping school, uh, and taking shifts during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was sixteen, so I could do that. Uh, um, shifts where? At AMC. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. the movie theater. Uh -huh. Um, and then the the third quarter, I brought it up to a point seven one. Mercy. And then I got suspended, and I think uh, just because of how behind I was, I ended up with like a one five. But that was still like a major jump. It was twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was the, you doubled your GPA. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and my GPA, my cumulative GPA at the end of my second tenth grade year mm -hmm. was a point eight four. And if it were, I think what they say, like point, maybe if I was like point three lower mm -hmm. i would have had to stay back another year and they passed me to the 11th grade wow and we ended up moving to another side of uh, town to, mm -hmm. and i went to high school mm -hmm. another high school and it was like a fresh start uh, and i immediately just hit the around. ground running uh -huh. um uh political involvement uh, i mean my grades i mean because i still had bad those those habits that were really bad yeah but i i picked my gpa up uh -huh. um I started doing my homework mm -hmm. and um, I, I remember writing on my bag a um, a, a lyric that I got from a song mm -hmm. whose artist I will not name. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> um, and almost now it seems like problematic, but it really, I cannot say that it did not help sure. me. It was a lyric that said, I know that my past is not what my future holds. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that on my Jansport. I had a great Jansport book bag mm-hmm. and I just grinded. Uh-huh. Uh, and I ended up becoming the first black SGA president of that high school. Oh, wow. Wow. It turned the- around that much. You went from, you yeah. went from kind of like skipping school class goof a little bit kind of you know dejected mm-hmm. uh, aloof to like really like leaning in and being involved in school absolutely you know because of that week that literally yeah, that I week see. wow and, it turned um, on a dime and so you know a lot can happen when you're suspended uh-huh. uh, and so i ended up coming first sj ah, hold on that'll preach though it um will. It a lot will. will happen when you are suspended a not of, here or there but in the middle, kind so of liminal. It, uh-huh. it was another yeah. foundational week mm. uh, that I had mm. um, when I was suspended. Mm. So I was uh, I was uh, SGA president, mm. first black SGA president, mm-hmm. and my principal had it out for me because mm-hmm. she was um, at the time um, expelling black kids mm-hmm. at an exorbitant rate. Of course, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I went to high school in Howard County. Ooh, yeah, they're still and, doing that. Yeah, uh-huh. and 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 they finally came up with a. Um, they finally exposed her and she ended up getting fired. Ah, good. Miss um, Gina Masella, just mm. in case you listen. <laughs> uh, um, uh, and so I went, they, they had an SGA day at the, uh, board of, uh, the Board of Education and they had all the students from all the SGA presidents from all the high schools speak about, well, lunch, we need more lunch or what are we going to do with Fort Meade? Mm-hmm. And I said, it seems like our high schools are expelling black males at exorbitant rates mm-hmm. or sending them to alternative schools mm-hmm. compared to white students who are competing some of the same issues, yeah. uh, the, some of the same problems and are are getting slaps on the wrist. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And when I got back to school that week, she was like, don't ever go to the, uh, the board, board of education like that. And, and I'm and an president. Me. I can do I can do what I want. Yeah, also, like, I'm calling you out because mm-hmm. you in the wrong. Right. Miss Thing. And, and so here's what happened. The white kids started to get behind me. Huh. Yes. I'm talking about Elk Ridge. Huh. Them, them white kids. Yeah. Them ones. <laughs> uh, and, you know, me pointing out racism. I, I fought that year to get the first uh, Afro-American studies class. Huh. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, and so we, it's it's the, the winter pep rally and a, a group by the name of them franchise boys had just come out. <laughs> and, and so, and so uh, like everybody was talking about lean with it, rock with it. Mm-hmm. And I played the edited version of lean with it, rock with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they wouldn't let me play the black national anthem. Cause it was February. Nah. It was black, you know, and they were like, no, we can't play that. We got white students here. I was like, All I, right. I have some words I want to share with you. That's but right. <laughs> we can play this instead. And played that. The place went wild. Nah. White kids. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> they was getting it. And um, and the vice principal came up to me. He was like, no, we had to shut it down. And I was like the hype man. Uh-huh. You had to shut it down. Uh-huh. You're causing a riot. We, we, it's like, too whatever. late. We didn't, we didn't, we playing. So listen, uh-huh. so listen, we, the pep rally is over. We go back to class. I get called down to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. It's the vice president, the vice principal, the advisor to SGA. And the principal and they in the office is going in on me. Mm-hmm. This one, I'm the one black kid. It's mm-hmm. three of them white folk. Mm-hmm. They just going in, calling me all types of names mm-hmm. and you know you reverse racist and <laughs> yeah Shut all up. this. Shut up. And so uh, I walk out. I tell my parents I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm just letting y'all know it's finna go down. Right, <laughs> right. Just get down. ready, gird your loins. Just get ready. Yeah, and uh-huh. so that whole that whole next week, 
they are calling me to the office and they're trying to force me to resign. I'm like, no, I'm not resigning. Nope. The, people, the people elected me. Right. I'm not resigning. That's democracy. And, actually. Yeah, it's democracy. Learn that in social studies. And, and so they were like, well, um, you know, and they tried to call the one black teacher down to the office, mm-hmm. Mr. Knox, mm-hmm. uh, to try to convince me. And he was just like, what are y'all going to do? Right. Like, no, he, <laughs> he said no. Right. Like, and so um, they, um, I, I told them I'm not meeting with them anymore in private. Hmm. Um, I, I either need my parents or a lawyer present. Yeah. And so, better, yeah. and so uh-huh. that, that Friday, that Friday, uh, we, my, I told my parents because I was like, they're, they're, they're trying to do too much w- with me by myself. Yeah. I was like, I, like, I, I need, need a lawyer. Backup. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to meet after school on Friday at about 10 o'clock. I get a call up to my class mm-hmm. uh, and my teacher, uh, my teacher was like, they're calling for you down at the office. I said, who is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, principal. I was like, we're not meeting until, right. tell them we're not meeting until after school. That's correct. So she calls them back, tell them that. And she's like, no, like they're calling you down now. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go on down there no. without my parents or a lawyer present. That's right. And and she does that. The whole, all these white kids in my class are like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and so I, um, I, they end up calling up and say, well, if you don't come, it's insubordination. And so that's automatic suspension. And if it's automatic suspension and you're on campus, it's trespass. And that means we will have the cops to come and arrest you oh in my class. God. And I told them I'd much rather my parents see me. And I said this in front of the class. Uh. And I told her to tell them this. <laughs> I said, I'd much rather uh, have the cops come arrest me for some standing for my parents to see me. Because this is what they said. They said, you don't want your parents to see you in cuffs, do you? I said, I'd much rather my parents see me uh, in cuffs for standing what standing for what I believe in mm-hmm. than for them to see me walk down there like a coward. Ooh. And um, they sent the one black vice principal up, Mr. Covington. He's a good guy, but it was just like he was like, well, you know. The cops are gonna come and come get you. I'm like, okay, send them. Right. They never came. Went to lunch. I'm standing there looking at the vice president. I'm at the black table, mm-hmm. and everybody over there already know what's going on. Right. And they're like, send them. Where they at? Right. <laughs> so like, right. And you so, talking big? Right. Uh-huh. I go back to fourth grade, fourth period class, mm-hmm. and heading down to fifth period. I get down the steps. I see my parents right there. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go to the office. I end up getting suspended indefinitely. Mm. But that, and so that next week. When I'm suspended, because I was suspended for about a, about a week or two, mm-hmm. uh, and they removed me from. Uh, clearly, I was the first black SGA president. You were the so last. I was the first the first one to get impeached. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I wasn't the last because one of my mentees, uh-huh. who was a freshman that year, uh-huh. ended up becoming um, um, the first black woman SGA president. Ah, okay. Yeah, and okay. she actually just received her PhD a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. Uh, but um. But you were impeached. They took. Oh they uh, yeah, took the no, title. they weren't even no impeachment. They just removed me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, that week though was election week at Howard. Uh-huh. And so at the time, my sister's boyfriend was running for Houston vice president. Mm-hmm. And so I came I came to campus. Uh-huh. And I saw that. I You know, because at that time, I had no college grades. Yeah, you're right. right. And so I'm watching Byron Stewart on uh, Yard. I'm <laughs> seeing uh, J.P. <laughs> Howard. I'm seeing um, Conrad. Yeah, Woody. I'm seeing all back. these cats. <laughs> Like just this a, this political environment, right. people running. They it literally is election week, so I think it was the, people stumping on the yard. We were in the middle of the. I was just like, it, and so when people come to Howard and they talk about seeing the Greeks, they talk about seeing 
um, you know, the sisters walking around campus. That wasn't what motivated me to want to come to uh, Howard. Uh-huh. It was the politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I saw the way they were grinding. I was like, this is what I want to do. Ah, ah, ah. And, and I, I immediately had something to push for. And yeah. so, yeah. That, that like, I, like you said, and like I said, man, good things can happen uh-huh. when you suspend it. So. Uh-huh. Oof. My man's grades was down bad. <laughs> That's not even a whole number. <laughs> Uh, in part two with the bounce back champ we discuss how he came to accept his call to ministry and what he means by the kingdom of god being an alternate political reality and you can listen for the exact moment i realized i I couldn't let my grandmother hear our interview (laughs) for part two with pastor it's up on patreon at patreon.com slash what's left to do that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what's left to do shout out to early interview guest alvin who told me to shorten the unlocks to two weeks so if you can't afford to support this work right now at five dollars a month all patreon episodes will be unlocked after two weeks you can go to what's left to and get on our email list to get reminders of when episodes get unlocked okay see you over on patreon